0: so as I was uh, sitting upstairs in a daze making my uh, instant coffee, which I was, um, I thought I'd treat myself today. I, I turned the water all the way to hot and let it run for a few seconds before I sucked down coffee. So it's it's pretty warm and it's it's kind of tasty when you do that. Added a little bit of fake sugar, which I just recently found out is destroying my body irreparably. So that's great. I'm super excited to hear that. My wife told me about. I don't know. I don't remember exactly what it is, but I kind of shrugged it off like, yeah, it sounds like one of those weird things people say that's dumb, you know, especially when you hear people talk about gut health. It's like, oh, I don't want to hear it. That's that's some stupid new thing that people are talking about. I'm not interested. So I went to a resource that I trust on, you know, nutrition, health, scientific type stuff. He's a really smart guy. It's actually I might as well tell you Mike Matthews. He's really mostly like uh, weightlifting and nutrition type stuff. But uh, it's all, like, science-based. He reach, researches the, the the research. I don't know. So I was like, all right, Mike, talk to me about, uh, you know, fake sugar. Is it that bad? He's like, eh, it's not. it's not good. You shouldn't be doing that. But I guess I think stevia is fine. It's like a completely different thing. It's like a different, because there's different, I don't know. Aspartame is one thing, and stevia is a separate category, and all these different things. So I, I'm, maybe I'll switch it up. I don't know. I got a whole box of the fake stuff. So I'm going to run through that, and then I'll figure out a plan B. I could just use real sugar, but I keep telling myself I'm on a diet 24 7. Sitting here eating fake sugar, destroying my body while I suck down pizza. That's not true. I've been pretty good lately. Yesterday was decently good. And by decently good, I mean I ate a little too much, but I didn't have breakfast in anticipation of a big lunch. And I had somebody ask me um, how the barbecue was. Amazing. And then uh, I didn't eat dinner because I was pretty full and um, in a somewhat bad mood. And I kind of just used that to my advantage. No, I'm not going to eat. You know how you kind of pout your way into not eating dinner. That's what I did, and maybe you don't know what that's like. But uh, sometimes, sometimes you just you take a bad situation and you make yourself skinny. (laughs) Just don't get carried away with that. That's actually terrible advice. I'm not telling you to do unhealthy things. Just saying I did it and I'm proud of it. Um, But the the barbecue. Just so you know, if you're ever in Madison, we've at work. We eat a lot of food entirely too much. And if you're trying to be healthy, that is my biggest issue is people at work. Not that I'm not appreciative because they spend a lot of money on feeding everybody. But there's two places we've been to and um, one of them I think is kind of so-so. I won't say their name because I'm saying that they're so-so. But there is a barbecue place called Mission Barbecue. Crazy good. So if you're in Madison... And you want to try barbecue, check out Mission Barbecue. I'm not a barbecue savant by any stretch. That's one of the biggest things I'd love to do with my life is try barbecue like all over the country, starting in Chicago, because they have actually underrated barbecue and I'm just not as familiar with it. I didn't really get a lot of barbecue when I was, you know, pizza and they've got great. I think I've said it before. I spent a lot of time trashing Chicago and rightly so. Illinois is a terrible state. Grew up there fled the second I could. I always said I was going to and I did and it was a great decision. The food in Illinois is very good. It really is. And I didn't I didn't appreciate it until I came to Wisconsin. Not that Wisconsin doesn't have some good stuff. They got some great burgers. But the pizza dude, the hot dogs, best taco place I've ever been to in my life. And all these places were within like walking distance of my house and I didn't even realize. This place called Taco Patio, Hong Kong restaurant, oh best Chinese food ever in my life. Pizza place called the Dante's which I guess is gone now, but there's there's another Adantes. There's, like, one in some random city in Illinois. I don't know. I'm just saying. I don't know how we got here, but Mission Barbecue, if you're in Madison, it's very good stuff. Apparently it's, like, a, a veteran-owned place, as in, like, military, and they... <laughs> <laughs> the guy went to pick up the food, and he was going to go place an order, and I guess at some point in the day, they play the national anthem, and everybody stands at attention or something, and he's like, what? Okay. And then everybody rushed in line, and he lost his spot. And it was pretty funny. I laughed at him. I don't know. So today uh, on the Pockernet Poc- podcast, um, there's a decent amount to talk about. It's not, uh, it's not the craziest day in the world. But I want to start off with something I said not too long ago that I think has come true a lot faster than I was <laughs> anticipating. I had mentioned um, recently, I mean, this is after the, the Super Bowl. I was kind of looking at the Buccaneers and looking at the Chiefs. And the comment I made about the Chiefs is that I think they're the Seahawks. Not the Patriots. In other words, I don't think they're the next great dynasty. I think they're the next team that should be winning a lot of Super Bowls, and they're just not. That was my expectation for the team. In my mock drafts on my YouTube channel, I've had them getting offensive linemen. Why is he talking about Chiefs? It's a Packers show. Dude, the Packers play football, and so do the Chiefs, all right? If you're going to win a Super Bowl, you have to be the best team in football. Got to beat the Chiefs. Just, just, Just let me, all right? How good you are isn't just in a vacuum, it's relative. And the Chiefs, at least for like a year or two, were the standard. Anyways, I very often would grab them offensive linemen, and it wasn't even necessarily because of the tackles. The biggest issue that they have is the interior offensive line. Let me read you some names. These are the left guard, center, and right guard. Andrew Wiley, Nick Allegretti, Steven Osemele, Stefan Wesnewski, Austin Reeder, Daniel Kilgore, Mike Remmers, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif. Now there are two other guys that are um, in green, which generally means these were practice squad players, so I didn't mention that. Of that list, Nick Allegretti is the only one signed beyond this year. The only one. Andrew Wiley, Kaleccio Osemele, Stephen Wesniewski, Andrew Reeder, Daniel Kilgore, Mike Remmers are free agents. They're not even on the team right now. They need contracts in order to be on the team. Laurent Duvernay-Tardif is in the final year of his contract, Now, the additional reason that I got them offensive linemen, including offensive tackles, is because their left and right tackle are in the final years of their contract and are getting a lot older. And I figure, you know, they could probably give some of these guys, one of them at least, a new contract because you can't, you got to kind of stagger this a little bit. Everybody can't just leave at the same time or we're in a lot of trouble. So you lose a couple of the interior guys, you extend some of the interior guys, you give maybe one of them a one-year contract. And then for the tackles, you got to draft a tackle. In anticipation of losing a tackle, you got to let one of them walk next year and you got to maybe sign and extend the other one. They cut both of them yesterday. So, on top of we don't have an interior, we now don't have tackles. Now we have human beings. We have Lucas Nyang who we drafted. He is a third-round selection that hasn't played a single snap, but he's there. And uh, you know, we got uh Yassir Durant, who is a 2020 undrafted free agent, who actually did play, which is shocking because I just said Lucas Nyang did not play. I don't know if he opted out or what, but that's not a great sign when you have to have your undrafted free agent fill in. Um, He played two games at right guard, two at right tackle. So right now we have a 2020 third round pick and a 2020 undrafted free agent. Those are our tackles, and we don't have guards and centers. They have to sign some of the. They have to, and there's still four million dollars in the red. That's not great. And um, I mean, as I've said, it, it's not just. I, I listen. I know it's it's uh, unattractive to brag and all that, but I've been saying this for a while. It's not just after the Super Bowl. It's not just after they lost the Super Bowl. I've been saying for a while because they're not drafting well. This is what happens to every team that can't draft well. Ever since. John Dorsey left, I said, sh- show me, show me one really good pick that they've made since John Dorsey left, and you struggle, you would struggle to find some. What about Clyde Edwards-Alaire? That's a lazy pick. First of all, he was, what is he, like the fifth best running? A.J. Dillon graded out better than he did. He just didn't get nearly as many opportunities. I think he was the first running back to get selected, and he was not the best running back in this draft class. Considering he was on that football team, that offense... That's that's I mean, that's that's kind of an easy one. You you draft a first-round running back, you're probably going to get a decent amount of production from your first-round running back. It doesn't have to be that way, but it just seems, you know, you want to impress me, draft a pass rusher in the first round that that really produces. Draft an offensive tackle that is a starting quality off. I mean, you know, it's just, it's like you, you're missing and you're missing and you're missing, and so you take an easy shot, right? You've been trying to shoot three-pointers and you can't hit it, so you just take one and you just, you know, put up a layup. And it's like, boom, there's my two points, son. You said I couldn't score any points. And guess who just scored some points? It's like, yeah. Okay, dude. Great. Kind of not the same thing as a three-point shot, but that's fine. Well done. You're on the board. And so we've got a lot of guys now, all of which were not drafted by our current GM. They were all drafted by Dorsey that we're paying a ton of money to. Frank Clark, Patrick Mahomes, Chris Jones, and we're, we're paying the money because we have to, I mean, Patrick Mahomes, because he's Patrick Mahomes, but we have to retain these guys. I mean, Frank Clark, he didn't obviously draft Frank Clark, but that, that's another problem that happens when you're a terrible GM, go ask the Seahawks, is you have to start bringing in overpriced free agents. And so anyways, you get yourself into a cap mess, and there's two guys that are at tackle that are two of the better tackles, one of the best tackle duos in all of football, and they just cut them both because they have no money. By the way, Frank Clark might be the most disgusting contract in football. This is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. Frank Clark is make is is, is a higher, I'm not gonna say making more money because I don't know the cash situation, but the cap situation, twenty-six million dollars for Frank Clark, who is not even a top ten pass rusher, more than Patrick Mahomes. They have three guys, basically four guys, making twenty million dollars a year on this team. Frank Clark, and they cannot get out of that. If 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 they could save money doing it, that would be an easy cut. But they can't. And they and they and they can't restructure it because as it stands right now it's 25 million, 26 million, 27 million. If you restructure it all that's going to do is make it so that you can't cut him next year. You have to write it out and then you need to cut him next year because he counts 26 po- oh it's, it's it's this is a terribly run football team. This is a terribly run football team with a talented head coach and a really talented quarterback and some other weapons mixed in. They're the Seahawks. And again, I'm going to downplay it. They're going to play better than I expect, just like the Seahawks do. I'm going to say that the Chiefs are not going to be any good, and they're going to win a ton of games, and they're going to get into the playoffs, and they're going to, you know, whatever. They're not going to win the Super Bowl because they just don't have the horsepower to get over the hump. And it kind of just, it it just kind of upsets me because he's so bad at his job. These contracts are an abomination. $19.7 million for Tyron Matthew? Are you out of your flipping mind? By the way, he needs to be cut. Because you can you get out of that one right now, you save $15 million. 15 of that 19. He is not worth 19 million dollars. That is that is sick. That's an easy cut. I would cut him long before I'd cut my tackles. But no, we're gonna cut both of our tackles and keep Tyron Matthew at nineteen point seven million dollars. This GM is 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 a is a joke. Maybe maybe a cut is coming or some kind of a restructure. I don't know. But if you're just going to let this in, and, and yeah, it's, I mean, he's in the final year of his, there has to be an extension coming. He's only 29. Has to be. But I mean, just the fact that they paid him 16 million last year and it's 20 million this, oh boy. Unless he's able to hit on a really good draft class, which, you know, anybody can do it. The stars align. You just hit on two, three, four really big prospects and it'll, it'll carry. I mean, this team's going to be Probably pretty decent for a long time just because of Pat Mahomes. But and again, it's 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 very similar too, because just like with the Seahawks, there was a flurry, right? There was one really good draft class and there were a couple others that were mixed in some good free agent acquisitions, a couple good draft picks after that. And then just nothing. Same. It's 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 a exact mirror image of the Seahawks. But anyways, that was very big news, and, and it, it it absolutely pertains to the Packers because the Chiefs have been at the top, and, and the biggest concern I had was, we just got rid of this Patriots dynasty, and man, it really looks like the Chiefs are the next dynasty. At this pace, they're not. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I don't think are either. Maybe, maybe they are, but they're in a tough way as well. They're in a real tough spot, and they're doing everything they can to sign every single person on planet Earth to give Tom Brady everybody that he wants and that's going to have to come to an end at some point as well. Just the defensive line alone. And and the biggest thing, and I'm not saying Tom is not a good quarterback, because he is a good quarterback. I'm not just trying to be bitter or whatever. He is good at football, no question. But I went through not too long ago the the defenses that he's had. I don't have that sheet in front of me, but it, it's it's unbelievable. It's it's really just astounding. You know, you always hear about, well, he's always had good defenses, and you assume that it's people just being kind of a little unfair or whatever. No, I mean, it's it's... It's staggering. And he picked up right where he left off with Tampa Bay. Just this dominant defense. I think if that defense falls off, and, and listen, this is, not, this is not Bill Belichick. These are not the greatest football minds in the world. Tampa Bay just two years ago was a joke. And I know they got some talented guys and Todd Bowles and all that kind of stuff, but it's on some level you got to have some talent. And if that starts to slip a little bit too much, and that defense isn't quite there, and we know Tom is, we're starting to see the crack. Right. I mean, he had a stretch down the stretch. He was unbelievable because that's just classic Tom. Right. When things aren't going well, when it when it gets to be crunch time, this, there's nobody better in the world. And I, I, it makes me sick to say that, but it's just the reality. When we're talking fourth quarter and he's on that final drive, they're going to score. When we're talking about, you know, they're in the playoffs and they just need that final little push. Tom goes just the, the best stretch of football of his entire life at 72 years old. But we saw it a little bit. Down the you know a couple games, where it's like this dude noodle arm over here. Even against the Packers, I didn't think he looked very good against the Packers at all. Some of those balls just hanging in the air. The defense just didn't come through. Right? And I hate to relive it, but zero pass rush. You know the whole thing dropped interceptions. It's hard to call a team that has a geriatric quarterback a dynasty. So again, the point is, who's going to take the top mantle right now? As of right now, the Buccaneers are, are trying to find a way to sign absolutely everybody. I don't know. Here's the thing, though. Levante David is is very old. He's unbelievably talented. He's very old. He's already 31. I think he th- turns 32 this year. They signed him to a two-year deal, $25 million in total. They franchise-tagged uh, Chris Godwin. They're having talks about uh, a long-term contract extension with Shaquille Barrett. They're $5 million in the red right now. Now, obviously, Tom Brady being Tom Brady, they're working on a some kind of a reworked contract for him that would bring his cap hit w- way down. And by reworked, I mean extension. So not only are we going to see a lot more of Tom Brady, this $28 million against the cap is going to be brought down to, you know, probably 21 or something. But even so, even if that drops to 20 that gives them $8 million. Again, they're five and a half in the hole. So that gives them $3 million. If they're going to add Shaquille Barrett to that, then Shaquille Barrett's going to want north of 20-something? How how low can you get his first-year hit? 15? So that's going to put you $10 million in the red again. You got to do something. And on top of that, you got a lot of decisions to make. Rob Gronkowski is a free agent. Antonio Brown is a free agent. Both of your backup quarterbacks are free agents. Leonard Fournette is a free agent. LaShawn McCoy is a free agent. Three offensive linemen are free agents, and three other starting offensive linemen are in the final years of their contract. And Dominican and Sue is a free agent. There are two other um, defensive linemen that are free agents. Jason Pierre-Paul is in the final year of his contract. William Golston is in the final year of his contract. Vita Vea is in the final year of his contract. Three other linemen are, are free agents right now. Two corners and a safety are free agents, as well as Jordan Whitehead to starting safety and Carlton Davis, starting cornerback, are in the final years of their contracts. So, I mean, if they're going to mess around and do this kind of stuff, and no, you're not going to save a lot of money with a lot of these because Carlton Davis is making $2 bucks, Vita Vea is making $4 bucks. If they're talking about long-term extensions, it's kind of like Jair Alexander. They're on rookie contracts. You're not saving money by giving them extensions. Jason Pierre-Paul, you can, but why would you want to extend him? So, I mean, there's going to have to be some kind of a mass exodus here. And one of the most obvious ways to save a bunch of money would be to cut Donovan Smith. Donovan Smith is their starting left tackle. So, you know, we'll see what they do, but I mean, they're they're trying to be smart, and, you know, they had that press conference where, oh, we're we're re-signing everybody. You're staying. You're staying. You're not going anywhere. And so far, they're signing everybody. Shaquille Barrett's going to stay. Tom Brady's going to stay. Everybody's going to stay. Sorry. Cap hit is not fake. Excuse me. The the salary cap is not fake. It's very real. And, uh, you know, it's party time right now. But just wait, because in a matter of a couple days, if they don't sign some of these people, they're just gone. You can work on Shaquille Barrett all you want. You just got a couple days to work that out, brother. By the way, you have to get your cap straight by the new league year, which is in like a week, less than a week. You gotta be to zero. It's true for the Packers as well. So expect a flurry at some point. But the, the point of this is there's been a lot of good news. And I'm sure we've got some bad news coming. It's why it's part of the reason why I don't want to gloat too much on social media, like ha, ha so so-and-so is gone. <laughs> Because who knows what's coming for the Packers. There's been some shocking cuts, and we were told there would be some shocking cuts. And I don't want to, um, you know, start mouthing off about, haha stupid Lions, you lost your whole team. Haha, Bears, you lost another offensive lineman, you bunch of losers. And then we end up, you know, I'm, I'm looking at, I don't even know who it would be. I know J.J. talks a lot about possibly Sedarius Smith. There's no way. I mean, strictly from a we-need-cap-relief standpoint, yeah. But I mean, he's a he's a core of the team. Um, Devonte would be an obvious cut if there was a shocking cut, but there's zero chance that happens. Again, we all know Preston is a great one, but even that we're talking we're already down to eight million. You know, some of these other teams you look at is like if we cut this guy, like I said, Donovan Smith, I think he was almost fourteen million dollars. We're already down to eight. Everybody else is like three, four million bucks. There's not a lot of massive like cap relief. I mean, Adrian Amos would save us four million dollars. Billy Turner would be three point nine. Dean Lowry saves us three point three. Mason Crosby is two and a half million. I mean, there's there's just no cap relief anywhere in here, which again is why Preston makes the most sense. It's eight million bucks, and it's it's the only big chunk that could possibly happen. The only other two big chunks again are Devonte and Zedarius, and that's just there's no way. But that's why you talk about restructures and extensions and those kinds of things, because that's another way to do it without. Uh, causing too big of an issue but it's it's almost kind of funny because it's like oh man Devontae's costing us 16.7 million that's nothing that's not even a lot of money but we're gonna try to even get that number down zadarius at 22 is is kind of a lot but again compare that to what's his name making what did i say 26 it's just i don't know the packers do a good job with this but it's it's tough times and they got to come up with some money and we'll see what happens anyways why don't we take a little bit of a break here When we come back, I want to look at um, the prospects that the Green Bay Packers have met with so far. Some of them we've talked about, some of them we have not. I'm going to try to remember which are which and talk about the guys that we have not talked about yet. Maybe very briefly touch on the ones that we have and then move on. But uh, we'll take a break and we'll be right back. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. about seeing what you could potentially get right now you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com com slash packdaddy. Wow. That's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arena club.com slash pack for 10% off your first purchase. righty, daddy. So before we get started, I I'm scouring the internet because I thought this maybe was a joke. Um, has nothing to do with football, but I just, this is the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. Did you know Michigan State men's basketball team will soon be known as MSU Spartans presented by Rocket Mortgage, as in that's their new name? I mean, I man, oh man. Can't you just put Rocket Mortgage somewhere on the basketball court? Put it all over your jur- I Just, you're changing the name of your team and saying, I want all of you to start calling the MSU Spartans presented by Rocket. I'm never calling you that stupid. Nobody is ever going to call you that. And any announcers on television who say that full name need to get smacked. Just call them the MSU Spartans for short. How about that? Or MSU or the Spartans. Just let's just condense it. Are you serious with this? I mean, as a general rule, go ahead and get money. However, you see fit, assuming it's, you know, legal and whatnot. Just absolutely go out and get it. But how pathetic you're a major university, a major program. And the fact that Rocket Mortgage would even want that—everybody is now looking at Rocket Mortgage as well as MSU like a bunch of dummies. I—I'm just—I'm just blown away by that. Anyways, worst marketing idea in the history of the world. And the fact that MSU went for it—crazy. Again, I'm gonna try my best to sift through this list that was provided again by Mr. Zach Cruz, who's done a good job of apparently keeping up on all this. Um, believe this is just. Uh, alphabetical order and these are the virtual pre-draft meetings. I'm sure there have been a lot of pre- uh, virtual meetings that are not listed here that we are not aware of as well as in-person meetings. The the you know Packers staff are out at all these events and everything else. I'm sure they're having lots of meetings, but as it becomes public knowledge, they end up on lists like these and then I get to go through them. Number 1 is Mr. Alim McNeil and I I don't know for sure that I talked about this one, but Alim McNeil For those of you that, if if we're going to use a little bit of shorthand, he's Snacks Harrison. Six foot two, 320 pounds, and just a wrecking ball of a run defender. Um, To be completely fair, it wasn't always that obvious. And it always makes me nervous when you got a 320-pound guy that's about as good of a pass rusher as he is a run defender, because that just shouldn't happen. Because you know when you get into the NFL at 320 pounds, you just have some limitations. Now you got guys like Vita Vea that can pull it off, and that's cool, and maybe he's going to be that next level of guy. But I I tend to just think that sometimes if you're 320, that doesn't mean you're automatically going to be good at stopping the run. Uh, but he had a big breakout year in 2020 that really separated his his run defense from his pass rush, which is still decent. He's not horrible at it. But again, as far as shorthand is concerned, he's a six foot two, 320 pound Snacks Harrison type. If the Packers were really interested in him, I would say they probably have to take him in the second round. Um, he's seen as a third round prospect, but early third round prospect and similar to A.J. Dillon you look at him and say well he's a third round guy the Packers took him in the second round right he wasn't going to make it to the back of the third round so just based on that I find it to be a little bit unlikely the Packers in general although I don't know anything about this defensive coordinator in general tend to like pass rushers and guys that have no ability I shouldn't say no ability but are, are not great at rushing the passer have limited ability to help the team. Again, how, how important I mentioned it is to find somebody that can garner some other... Now, granted, Alim McNeil is going to get some double team. He's going to have to, just by virtue of, of who he is. But I, I don't think you have to assign double teams to one person for the day. In other words, we're running the ball, double team McNeil. We're passing the ball, double team Zadarius. Zedarius is not that good against the run, and Alim is, is a subpar pass rusher. So I don't necessarily, unless they genuinely believe that he can be a Vita Vea type, see them taking him in the second round where he probably needs to go. um, Because again, I just see him as a run defender, which also makes it a little bit unlikely in my mind, unless he's just seen as a unbelievably dominant run defender, which maybe people do. I don't really see him going sooner than the second round because it just, the value drops so much. He's a rotational guy. Pass rush is the number one priority for, for a defense. right? Passing is what the NFL does today. Stopping people from passing and getting quarterbacks on their back is is incredibly important. And if you're going to draft a guy that you know is not going to help you with that, there's just a certain ceiling for how high he can go. Now, in terms of his pass rush, he had 12 pressures and zero sacks last year as a nose tackle. That's about as bad as it gets um, as a percentage out of 267 attempts, 4%, and again, zero sacks. So, that right there again the the gap right it wasn't it wasn't quite so sure he had a 77 run defense grade in 2019 he had 18 pressures and seven sacks in 2019 so for a nose tackle sitting at seven percent pressure rate seven sacks and and was graded as good not great as a run defender it's like he's kind of iffy on both fronts clearly you want him to be a run defender but you know, again, not 2020s when that gap widened. His run defense went from a 77 to a 92 in 2020. His pass rush went from an 80 to a 77, which is fine. But again, statistically, he couldn't do anything. Again, probably being that he's a NC State guy, I don't know that they have a whole lot of dominant. He probably commanded a ton of double teams. But anyways, that's that's what you're getting. But the fact that they at least want to meet with the guy, um, if nothing else, it tells us that they are willing to get the guys that all of us seem to want, and that is a Snacks Harrison type. Even if it's just rotational, fine. Give me the rotational guy. But let's at least have one guy that's just, when we put him out there, best of luck to you. You're going to really struggle to run the ball. We just need one of those guys, and I don't know that we have it. Kenny is, is good, but again, he didn't have the greatest year last year. Um, and our edge rushers have not proven to be very good against the run. Rashawn in, in spurts has. I think Preston was very good at it in Washington. He's sort of lost that ability, and Zadarius has never been good at it. Um, continuing on, Dalen Hayes. I talked a lot about him. They've met him several times. Notre Dame pass rusher, um, 6'4", 261. Again, I'm not going to go over it a ton because I've already talked about it. but uh, they do seem quite interested in him. Asante Samuel, the cornerback we've already talked about, 5'11", 184. He's a Jair type. And that brings us to Jamar Jefferson. Running back, 5'10, 217 pounds. Obviously, not an AJ uh, Dillon type. He would be sort of the smaller slasher type. Really not that great of a receiver. Man, PFF has added so much stuff. I got to just spend a day digging in. They've added so many things. I'm so excited right now. They've added. Oh my goodness. I'm, I'm, I'm freaking out right now. They added a category here called receiving depth. Not only do they have. Statistics based on depth, they have grades based on depth. This is the first guy I'm ever doing this for, but Jamar Jefferson, as far as his receiving abilities, um has never caught a pass, 10 or more yards. Hasn't done it. It's either um, you know, nine yards is the the most, and then the majority of his reception came behind the line of scrimmage. As far as his grades, he has a 68 grade overall, three targets, two receptions for nine yards beyond the line of scrimmage. Otherwise, he's a behind-the-line-of-scrimmage guy, eight targets, seven receptions, 58 yards. He has a 91 receiving grade, which I would assume most people are in the 90s when you're catching behind-the-line-of-scrimmage because there's no competition back there. Catch it and run forward. So that that's his whole thing. So you look at 5'10", 217, I'm 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 like giddy right now. I, don't, I have to go to work soon, and I'm freaking out. I have to speed this up. But um, as of right now, and that doesn't mean you can't teach a guy. I, I, remember, Aaron Jones was not a great receiver when he came into the NFL, and, and neither was... Um, Neither was Jamal. I know they got a lot of praise for it. That was something that grew a lot over time. The question is, can they do it? Just because they don't get a lot of opportunities. Great example, different position, but a great example was Justin Jefferson, the wide receiver that Minnesota picked up. My whole thing was he doesn't ever run deep routes. They just have him doing little slant routes, and he's amazing at it. The question is, can he do it? And then what happens if he can? Again, if he can, if he can run deep routes and do well, he's going to be an unbelievable wide receiver. Guess what? He can. He's an unbelievable wide receiver. Anyways, that's a whole that's a whole can of worms right there, man. Just that one thing. And again, they've they've redone. I don't even know if I talked about it on this pod. I think it was doing the YouTube stuff, and it was freaking me out because they changed the way everything works on here, uh, including, for example, zone and gap running. They have different statistics now, so I have that whole thing, which is just. Ugh so good so good i'm in nerd heaven right now but he does have a 79 overall running grade he's always been pretty consistent about 80 so he's always graded out well um this past year 133 rushes 858 yards 6.5 yards per attempt which is obviously fantastic you do see more of that in college um then you do, obviously, in the pros. In the pros, if you're getting 6.5 per carry, that's remarkable. Plus, it was a condensed season. Last year was 4.8. The year before, that was 5.7. So, I don't know, call it like a 5.5 average kind of a guy. But again, in college, it's a different animal, especially when you're talking about Oregon State. But uh, seven touchdowns the year prior, eight touchdowns the year prior to that. 2018, 12 touchdowns. So, obviously, he's going to be sort of the quicker, shiftier, Aaron Jonesy type of running back. Um, and in terms of his blocking, he's actually very good at it. Not a run blocker, but as a pass blocker. At least in 2020, he wasn't good before. He had an 80 overall grade. And yes, it's a condensed season, but we're talking out of one, two, three, four, five. He played six games. Seven of them he graded out extremely well. Not massive opportunities, but still, I mean, if you're if you're five ten, I mean he's two seventeen. So I, I shouldn't be calling him small. 5'10, 217, seventeen, it is a to kunsty type of guy, right? That's he likes that size. Again, I gotta speed this up, but um there you go. Somebody to check out. As of right now, Jamar Jefferson on this consensus big board is at 234th. He is the fifth lowest on this entire list. There's not a billion exactly, but um, we're talking undrafted free agent territory. Not to say the Packers aren't going to like him enough to take him in the sixth or whatever. That's just as of right now, especially when you get into these later... Uh, on these consensus boards, because a lot of these guys aren't actually watching film. They're coming out with these boards that are like 500, 600, 700, some of them even over a thousand prospects. They have not put in work on a thousand prospects. So they kind of just fit people in. Maybe they use statistics. I'm not sure what they're using exactly. He could be a fifth, sixth round guy on some boards and you just wouldn't know. All it's going to take is one guy like Matt Miller or something saying he's a fourth round prospect and this guy will shoot up the boards tomorrow. But anyways, as of right now, he's seen as an undrafted free agent If you're looking at checking out a running back, check out Jamar Jefferson. I think that's what I need to do this weekend. I think I need to, and maybe I'll make video content out of it, just to force myself to start watching prospects. I've got a ton of film I'm actually paying so that I can get film, including all 22, and i got a huge database of guys to watch, and we're getting close to the draft, and I've barely started. So maybe if I say that's what the content is going to be, it's going to at least force me to start watching some stuff. Um, Number five out of this list of 16, and I am officially out of time, is Thomas Graham, cornerback out of Oregon. Five eleven one ninety seven. So far, just about every source, by the way, is Justin Mello of the Draft Network. So if you're looking for somebody to follow on Twitter or whatever, check out Justin Mello. He's been doing a lot of breaking news type stuff on there. He's a new follow for me. But uh, Oregon's got several guys that are DBs that are uh, doing quite well. Um, he's graded out fantastically. I mean, 2017 was his rookie year. He did kind of mediocre, and then he kind of broke out in 2018, sustained that in 2019. Um, He's a good, he's a good dude. He didn't play at all in 2020. He only had one game in which he had bad coverage. Not that it was good every week, but 80.6 passer rating when targeted. He allowed, uh, let's start with yardage: 438 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions, four pass breakup. Uh, his run defense kind of went down a little bit in 2019, 2017, and 18. It was solid, so he's got a, he's got it. I mean, it's just it's green everywhere, which you know, color coding green is either good or very good. He's in that 70-80 range in just about every category, including pass rush, which he only did like twice, but still um, kind of just seems to be good at everything. Now, again, it's there, there's more to it than that, and there's good games and there's bad games, and you got to look at the context. We don't have all that time, but again, we're just we're familiarizing ourselves with guys that the Packers have met. And by the way, that's this doesn't mean nothing. A lot of times you hear about these things, it doesn't mean nothing. If you go back and look, a lot of the guys we drafted, we did meet with them. So it's, it's kind of... It's one of those things where it only works if you look back into the past because there's no way to see the people we're meeting and say, this is who we're going to draft, but but it, it does have an impact. Thomas Graham right now is sitting at about 151, so we're looking at early fifth round is kind of where he's sitting. After that, we have Auburn linebacker K.J. Britt, six foot 243. K.J. Britt has played four years, but uh, not a lot in any year had your condensed season in 2020, and then in 2017 and 18, it didn't look like he was a starter. 2019 was the only year in which he really was a, you know, a big-time presence, and it's also the only year in which he was a very good football player. So it's kind of like he's had three out of four years have been kind of bad, but also all three of those are kind of limited sample size. For example, in 2017, he played 52 snaps. We can basically just scratch that off, plus it's his rookie year. 2018, it was 129 snaps, 59 snaps against the run, you know. 62 times in coverage, so it's kind of iffy. And it was a 70 overall grade. And then in 2020, the condensed season, 117 snaps. It's not nothing, but it's, it's not great. And he did grade out poorly. I mean, you, you just get graded on what you did, and apparently he didn't do very well. But 2019 is what's intriguing. And this is where you really got to do your homework and look at it, right? A lot of guys, if, if, if you don't have PFF, if I didn't have PFF, and somebody said, check out K.J. Britt, what am I going to do? I'm going to watch his 2020 film. Same thing I did with Jordan Love. That's the problem. I watched it, and I'm like, this guy's trash. <laughs> Jordan Love. I said he was Trubisky, right? He he would leave a, lead a great drive and then throw a pick in the end zone. And then I watched his 20, you know, whatever, 2018 tape, and the guy was a freak. I mean, incredibly good. That's kind of what this is. So the scouting staff has to get together and say, okay, 2020 was bad. Why? And, again, there's, there's a whole bit. I mean, you know, COVID would be a great example of why, but that's problematic. Like I talked about, I think, yesterday or the day before, you got to find a way to rise to the occasion. And Some of these guys, I think, you know, when you're not, when the team can't get together and work out together, it's on you to go home and put in the work. You have to do the training. You have to do the studying. It's kind of like when you go to college. When I was to, I was told, when you go to college, and I think it was a professor maybe in college, I don't know, It's, it's not like high school. Nobody's going to call your parents if you don't show up. We don't care. And I took that to mean, great, I'm not showing up. And a lot of times I didn't. And guess what? I didn't graduate from Whitewater. I didn't. I had a lot of fun at Whitewater. Didn't get a degree from Whitewater. Three years and done. And then I went to a tech school, and et cetera, et cetera. But that's the thing. It's, it's you know, it's on you. And if you don't do it, then you don't do it. I can't force you to do the work. And so I think a lot of teams are looking at this saying, we really got to figure out what happened. And, and if we think that that's the issue, that he just isn't a worker and he doesn't feel like putting in the work when he doesn't have to, that's a big red flag. However... There's another flag, and the flag is, in 2019, when the team was together in his third year and he's gotten better every year, he was a freak. 90 overall run defense grade. On top of that, he had seven pressures on 35 attempts, including two sacks. Also, a 70 coverage grade. Now, the stats on his coverage weren't that great. 140 passer rating when targeted, 155 yards on 10 receptions for two touchdowns, no picks, and a pass breakup, but they liked his ability. Apparently, you know, statistics and grading aren't always... I mean, generally, there's a correlation, but not always, right? Like like Jair against the Viking. There there are certain times when you watch a guy and he just gets killed, right? A lot of times when Kevin King gets beat, it's like, what are you doing? I think last year, anytime you see Jair getting beat, it's like he's, he's basically sitting on the guy's head. And it's just a perfect pass, and there's nothing really anybody could have done about it, right? One of those... I don't think you should get a bad grade for one of those. You should get the worst grade possible just as an example. Again, that's a scouting thing. So that, that's the big question. This guy in 2019 was an absolute monster against the run. He has that ability somewhere in his body and he doesn't seem to be a terrible cover guy. His grade went down to a 65 in 2020, but that's still not bad for a linebacker. The statistics were actually a little bit better. Five receptions, 41 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, no pass breakup, but you know, five receptions for 41 yards, you know? So they they, they got to do their homework. And again, this is, this is the exact kind of guy you want to have a meeting with because you watch his 2019 tape and you're like, I really want this guy. 2020 is the red flag and we got to find out what happened. And I guarantee you that was the, this guy's doing a lot of interviews and that's the biggest question. What the heck happened? Because if you're going to be lazy, if you're going to get these big paychecks and say, I'm not putting in the work anymore, like some guys do, you're going to put in minimal effort. You're not, you know, because again, we got an off season here in the NFL where you go home and are expected to just do the work. Here's your assignments. Here's what I want you to do. Here's your diet. Here's your workout regimen. Here's your, your homework. It's up to you to just grind on that. And I need you to do that because I need, you know, you're looking for those guys that take second and third year leaps. It's the guys that put in the work. The guys that just fade out are the guys that just don't. I mean, some of them just don't have the ability, but whatever. Boy, oh boy, we are going to be late. I cannot be concise. Uh, Rondale Moore they met with. I don't know if we've talked about him. He's a much more known prospect because he's probably a first-round guy. Um, He has slipped a little bit. He used to be somebody that wasn't going to make it to the Packers. Now he's kind of seen as back of the first, possibly early second. So the Packers could have a shot at him in the first round. Um, graded, he's played three years. He's graded out well in all three years. His rookie year was actually his best year, but he's never completely fallen off. Um, unfortunately, not a lot of action in the last two years. So you got a lot of work to do, but there's there's clearly some talent. And again, the, the one year, is rookie year when he played the most is when he did the best. 2018, he had an 88.8 overall grade, a 90 receiving grade, which is elite, 83 drop grade, which means he doesn't drop the ball, 76 fumble grade, so he doesn't fumble the ball, um, 114 of 154, which is a 74% reception rate, 1,258 yards, 12 touchdowns. I mean, that's some good stuff, man. On top of being this five nine, 180-pound, just little laser that just flies around all over the place. That same year, 2018, he had uh, 213 rushing yards and two touchdowns on top of everything else that he did. 5.9 yards after contact per carry, 10.1 yards per carry. Now, again, that went down the next two years. He only had three carries in 2019 for one yard. I'm sorry, for three yards, one yard per attempt. In 2020, six carries for 32 yards, 5.3 yards per attempt. But it's there. He's also got some special teams experience, which I hear a lot of people talk about that. Like, if we're going to get a guy, we got to get a guy that's got some special teams ability. Fine if we're talking about the sixth round. We're not going to draft Rondale Moore and say, go get punts. It's just there's no way. It's the same thing with Jair. He's a great return guy, and I think at first when he was a rookie, he took a couple snaps. And as soon as we found out this guy's good at football, it was never a consideration ever again. You don't put premier players on special teams. You just it just doesn't happen. And when it happens, it doesn't happen for long. Same with Randall Cobb. He did it for a while, and then the better he got at receiver, then they're like, "Sorry, dude, you're not that. We're not taking a risk. You are a wide receiver. You're not playing special teams anymore." So as far as Rondale Moore, I don't see it. The only way that he would be a special teams guy is if he ends up being a pretty terrible wide receiver, or even if he's just struggling in his first year, right? We, we can't get him on the field as a receiver, so let's put him out there for some punt returns and try to get some use out of him that way. And it gives him a little bit of experience, you know? At least he's out there and getting in the action or whatever. I don't know. But generally, no. I'm not thinking Rondale Moore it matters very much. Uh, running back Javian Hawkins. 5'9", 196, so he's not he's not 220, so it's not the same uh, kind of deal. He also has a little bit of uh, special teams experience, which is, again, something I need to be keeping a close eye on. I forgot to mention that with the last couple guys. Uh, not a ton, mostly kick return experience, uh, but he did grade out really well in 2019 as a kick return. As a running back, incredibly good. Uh, so I, I don't know if I mentioned he plays for uh, Louisville, Louisville, Louisville. I, I, I don't like saying either way all the way, so I got like this little middle... Louisville is, I don't know, whatever. But uh, 2018, he played a couple snaps. It was horrific. He he barely touched the ball. He fumbled uh, eight snaps, two attempts, one fumble. So I mean that's that's pretty bad. But 2019 is when he had his first real opportunity, and he just absolutely, I mean, quite literally took the ball and ran with. Uh, 263 attempts for 1,526 yards, 5.8 yards per attempt, nine touchdowns, zero fumbles, 3.58 yards per attempt after contact. Uh, The next year, 2020, graded out very well. Not quite as high, but solid. Uh, 811 yards, 6.2 yards per attempt, seven touchdowns, but three fumbles. So that is an issue. He didn't have any in 2019, but we're talking four fumbles in three years. That's a little iffy. He also is not grading out very well as a receiver. Um, He did have uh, 127 yards through the air and a touchdown, but it's just not really his thing. And then as a blocker, he did get much better in both pass blocking and run blocking in 2020. So you've got that appeal as well. But at five nine, two hundred, I don't know that the Packers are like, yeah, that's our guy to start blocking. I just I don't think that's gonna happen. You know, you get JJ Watt breaking through the offensive line and Javian Hawkins is gonna come up and stop him. Nah, I don't think so. AJ Dillon's gonna struggle with that one. Uh they met with cornerback Greg Newsome, who's getting a ton of hype, ton of love, and and rightly so. Blazing fast cornerback. He's a guy that I'm getting excited about him. I'm actually worried about actually watching him play football because I don't want to not like him. Um, His grades were not great in 2018 and 2019, but completely broke out in 2020. So coverage grades from 2018 to 2020, 53, 59, 84. So again, massive step, but but a condensed season. And if you look on a game-to-game basis, it was 70, 60, 90, 80, 60, 66. So really, there was two really good games, a couple yeah, games mixed in there. His best game was against Wisconsin, so if you want to relive that, Badger fans, go ahead and go for it. Uh, I guess the good news is he never had a terrible game, right? 59.3 against Purdue is the worst game he had. That's not terrible. Um, on the season, he gave up only 93 yards, which is really remarkable. Um, in fact, and this is this is Jair-esque, when he started off, he so the, the first game, I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to do this. Should I just call into work today? (laughs) I'm having way too much fun to stop, but I'm very late. First game, four receptions, 27 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, two pass breakups. That's a solid game. Purdue was his rough game. 14 targets. And we just talked about a wide receiver at Purdue. I wonder who it was that kind of put some work in. 14 targets, but only seven of those were caught. 59 yards, which is a decent chunk. Could be worse, but it's something. 35 yards after the catch. Zero touchdowns, zero interceptions, and a pass breakup, 61.3. After that, six targets, one reception, seven yards, a pick, and two pass breakups, zero passer rating when targeted. That game against Wisconsin is crazy. But it gets better. Michigan, five targets, zero receptions, zero yards, zero touchdowns, zero receptions, two pass breakup. Illinois, zero targets, zero receptions. Ohio State, zero targets, zero receptions. In his final four games, he allowed seven yards, had a pick and four pass breakups. That's pretty crazy. Essentially, he was a shutdown corner. You get to a certain level where teams are looking at it saying it's not worth it. It's just not worth throwing at Greg Newsome. So we're just going to throw the other way. i tell you what, man, uh, we're only about halfway through this list. I got. I have to stop. I'm, I'm 20 minutes over time. Um, I just have to stop. So we will pick this up some other time. I don't know what the plan is for tomorrow. I was thinking out loud to myself. Uh, quite literally, because I do that sometimes. But don't worry about it. It's my problem. It's not your problem. Stop making fun of me. It sounds kind of like that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of maybe doing like a condensed thing. I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do. Um, obviously, if there's some breaking news, we'll do the breaking news and maybe that'll be it. It'll be kind of like a cheese and Packers thing where just a, a quick little update. Or it'll be a full episode or I won't be here. I don't I have no idea. But um, either way, I'm going to stop here. We'll pick this up whenever we pick this up. I do have the Green Bay Packers seven-round mock, so go over to Pack Daddy NFL on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe. Hit the little bell notification so you don't miss it. It is scheduled, I think, to go live around 5 o'clock in the afternoon because I'm staggering the, the times because I want to kind of just experiment and see what's better. I started at, like, noon, and we're kind of working our way late, But uh, make sure you don't miss that. Otherwise, I will catch you next time. Have a good Friday. Bye-bye.